Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm fine, thank you. How are you feeling today? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Actually. Oh, it's good. Such a beautiful day out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's cold though. It's cold, but it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to our podcast, uh, Chronic but Iconic, and thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me. I can't believe that you think anyone would <laughs> want to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> Don't be silly. No, you you've done so much, and you know, over your Instagram and through your blog and everything else, and obviously your own personal treatment journey. I think it'll be beneficial for everybody to hear more about it. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, do you want to just give a bit of background about yourself and well, Lyme disease in general and where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm 28 years old. Um, I'm living in London currently. And I've had Lyme disease for the past almost four years. Um, And I had quite a sudden sort of introduction to Lyme. I know a lot of people deteriorate quite slowly, but I got very sick right away. Um, So I've been, that's been my sort of full-time job, I suppose, and life ever since then. Yes. Um, And I've done, I was undiagnosed for about a year and a half. And since then I've done lots and lots of different treatment options. I've kind of, it's been my full-time job, basically. I know you understand that for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I've done a lot of different treatments. And then last year, almost a year ago, I did uh, stem cell treatments, um, which is probably my biggest kind of thing that I've done. Yeah. Um, and I've just been recovering from that for the past year. Uh, so I'm just sort of getting up to that year mark now and seeing improvements and kind of looking more to the future, which is something I haven't done in a while, but very cautiously. <laughs> yes, because of course, stem cell treatment is something that I really want to touch on because it is quite a new treatment and it is quite intense, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. Like not, I mean, the treatment in itself is intense, but the recovery is possibly is more intense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. So. How how long is stem cell treatment in total? So, I mean, it depends what kind of treatment you do. I did fat stem cells using my own stem cells. Um, and oh. so you do the, the first treatment, which um, mine was three weeks before the surgery. Um, oh. And then four months later, I did another week um, with like a sort of mini stem cell procedure. Um, yeah. And then at the moment that's hopefully all I've got planned but the recovery estimates about 12 to 15 months um so it's quite yeah it's definitely it's a commitment and a process (laughs) yeah and like you say it becomes a full-time job because balancing your health is just the hardest thing in the world oh my gosh so unpredictable (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah definitely so have you felt that it was beneficial to go down the stem cell treatment route yeah I mean I think you definitely understand this like it's such Lyme is such an individual disease and it definitely is um you know from one person to the next you can have completely different symptoms and uh situation and prognosis and everything um so I never recommend a treatment I suppose because um you know I think that you yourself have to look at what's best for you with your doctors and everything um but for me it it wasn't my first option it wasn't my first choice because I I did think it was very intensive and it it is very expensive as well um which is obviously something else to consider but I had kind of got to a point where um I felt like it was my only option really um and I just the treatment I was doing just wasn't keeping up with the deterioration and um I just sort of got to a point where I'd had it was it was around this time last year and I'd had a couple of months where I'd just been in and out of the emergency room you know kidney infections I was having a lot of heart issues and um I guess it's the more serious things when you just see more deterioration yeah I, I just felt like um I needed to do something that was going to, I guess, target the whole, the whole body. And um, yeah. I guess stem cells, the approach is that, 
you boost the immune system in general because as I know you're fully aware, <laughs> obviously, yeah. um, one of the issues with Lyme and definitely something I found was that I would do, you know, a lot of treatment and one symptom would improve, but in the time that had happened, I would have 10 new symptoms, yeah, um, more organ it. damage, something else had popped up and it's very, yeah. very difficult to manage everything. Yeah. And to keep, you know, you're, you're always a step behind and that's yeah. quite a scary position to be in, I think definitely definitely like you say you you just so want to get better in any way like shape or form that we just look at anything and think oh my gosh is it going to be a miracle when you know we need a miracle right now and and like you say when you can feel in yourself that you don't feel any better and you're going back to the doctors you're in and out of hospital and they can't help you and you think how long can I go on with this how long can I just keep myself afloat and keep going yeah I'm not getting the support or the help and I don't know where to turn and that's very difficult as well and like you say the treatments are very very expensive and it is a bit like a Russian roulette game in the fact that (laughs) we're all very different and what works for me might not work for you and vice versa yeah absolutely um it's but when so... our body our body feels like it's shutting down we're like what do we do <laughs> I know I know and it's terrifying <laughs> yeah definitely so did you travel abroad for the stem cell as well yeah I did so yeah. I, went, I went to Los Angeles um yeah. which again like that in itself was That's quite a big, a big aspect yeah. yeah um I I guess I so I my husband's Australian um so I've always done like a lot of traveling and a lot of like long-haul travel I suppose like ever since I've known him um so when I got sick obviously that all stopped but I had um I had been once to Australia and back the year before um for because my husband's sister got married so I I kind of I knew I could do it Yes. Um, so I guess it, maybe it wasn't as daunting for me as like, I know some people haven't been on a plane since they got sick. Yeah. Um, but it was still a big prospect and of course, being, I guess, away from home as well. Um, yes. When you're in that sort of very intensive treatment environment. But in some ways, it also appealed to me because I felt like, you know, this was going to be a big shift in my life. And I I felt quite positive about getting out of the environment that I'd been, you know, basically so sick and in bed, which I know a lot of, you know, Lyme sufferers or any chronic illness can really probably relate to that because you, you know, you're home, you're, you're sick. And that's what you associate with being in your bed, in your bedroom and, you know, this very small yeah circle where you are for me it was like the shop downstairs and um yeah and it becomes a bit of a sad existence really and you wonder why am I even fighting some days oh yeah definitely. And it, it's very difficult to keep your mind in a positive place and like you say you've got great support as well which really really helps oh yeah unbelievable I I yeah it's I think that's the thing isn't it you become so grateful for these things and you just wonder I just think my gosh I'm I'm only just you know managed to stay alive with the amazing support that I've got how do other people do it when they just don't have that we're so so lucky but a lot of people just feel at a complete loss because they lose their friends they lose their family yeah you know there's conflict of it you know within the family the doctors don't believe them and they don't know where to turn and then you've got the finances of treatment anyway yeah and they kind of get to the point where they're, they're thinking what what have I got left and that is an awful place to be and I mean like we said we found it bad enough fighting for our own lives with the support so we just can't imagine what it's like for other people and you know you uh, you blog and you write about your journey and hope that it helps you know people find comfort and bring across a bit more information or give them ideas that they can take home and use for themselves and although we're suffering we have to be positive for other people to feel a bit more positive but also be someone that 
they can feel like they can reach out to for support when needed yeah definitely I mean yeah you just hit the nail on the head I just think because especially in the UK because the community is so small and the the medical community for Lyme is near non-existence um I I hope you don't mind me saying that but that's I think that's true really yes um it's you know just knowing that there are other people out there who can at least advise you on you know where to go and get tested or you know I'm not a doctor I'm not medical at all I that's not my forte but you know things that you can advise on that are non-medical things like where can you go and get tested like you know where can I find these uh, recipes for you know I've been diagnosed with this intolerance and these are all things that if you go online there's almost too much information Um, but finding a professional is so difficult and you know it can be so expensive I'm sure you know as well you know some doctors charge 150 pounds to respond to a one-line email and yeah um so yeah I think just as long as we're all out there sharing it's really helpful yeah definitely and, and like I found say, that so helpful you know going back and forth with people like yourself and you know yeah. so many other people that's where I've had a lot got a lot of my information and that's why I started sharing myself yeah and of course and, and you your blog is amazing and I think like you say you don't you know say oh my gosh this treatment works and it's gonna it's worked for me it's gonna work for everybody you're very open-minded with it and you're very open about the fact that people should explore their options and how you know different things work for different people <laughs> we're all unique in that sense and I think that's also very very important because we aren't medically trained and we're only going off our own experiences we're not going to be pushy about who they should see or what treatment they should do. We're just really a friend that they, you know, can come to and ask for advice or hints and tips. And we can only give our best support because I think people often forget that we're also very poorly. Mm. I mean, we try and put a positive um, sort of picture out there to the world because we we don't want to be negative we don't want to play the victim and we don't want to put that energy out there but at the same time people have to respect that we do get drained easily we are battling symptoms we're not very well and I think sometimes people can get a bit annoyed when you might back off a little bit or one day you're slightly more drained or you don't post as much and they're like where have you been or what are you doing or and it's like we have to answer for everything all the time and that shouldn't be the case yeah I think um I think you're right I mean I think you've you've got you know a much bigger probably following than me and you do a lot more work so I'm kind of I'm I guess I've been fortunate in that sense that I haven't had that so much online but you definitely see that in real life that people you know if they see that you've had a little bit of improvement they take that to mean that you're better and yes um, it can be very hard saying, what, you know, I, I hate it when someone says to me, oh, how are you? And I oh, say, oh, I've had, another, I've had another, fl- I've actually had a really bad flare up this week. I'm in bed all week. And it's like, but, yeah. you know, it's very hard for people, I think, to grasp. And um, whether that's, you know, what you put online or in your real life, it's definitely something that is quite hard to manage, I think. Um, people's expectations and just not being negative, but also there's no point in you know not being honest yeah Yeah. and I think like you say it's very difficult when you sort of go to events or you're out and about and you've it's taking you three hours to get ready and (laughs) like you know put some makeup on and actually look human to then go out and people are like oh my gosh she's looking so well but like you say (laughs) they've not seen the three days before when you've barely moved You've, you've, you know you've been really ill maybe sick and whatever they just see you for that two seconds of your day where you've actually got out the house yeah um, and they take it that you, you know you're like you say you're cured your treatments are working and it's it's not like you want to be negative but sometimes I kind of think no actually you know it has taken me a you know a long time to get here I have put makeup on today and I do try and be truthful with them, but whether or not they believe me, 
I'm not yeah. too sure. But again, you don't want to seem like you're playing down, you, you know, that you aren't well and you're playing on that. You don't want people thinking that either. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, you know, no one wants to be like that. And it's, you yeah. don't want to be looking like you're being negative or yeah being, wanting attention or oh that's the word <laughs> yeah yeah so balancing that is very difficult and it's very difficult when it comes to friends as well and, and I don't know how you feel with friends and friendships in general but I've lost a lot of my close friends because they just don't understand um they don't invite me out anymore because obviously I can't do what they do and with us being in our 20s, we're supposed to be out living, you know, clubbing, drinking, yeah. eating and everything like that. And they don't understand how restrictive our lives are and how tired we get very quickly. And we, we well, I think we can go into that self-blame cycle where we think it's all of, like our fault and we blame ourselves for friendships that are lost. And it's very difficult to get into that positive mindset where we think, no, you know, they walked out of our lives for a reason. We've got, you know, better people coming in and we have to focus on the Lyme community and how social media helps us connect with people going through the same situation and they can understand us a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, I I guess I haven't really lost... um, many friends I've been quite fortunate in that regard but I think my circles got smaller in terms of you know who I have energy to um to meet up with yeah or even not even meeting up with you know it's even keeping in contact with and I think I was talking about this with a friend the other day that it's quite um it sort of becomes this thing where people either get it or they don't and there's not much in between and it's very hard to be continue to sort of have relationships with people who don't get it because I think for me I always had sort of internalized that as feeling very negative about myself that you know they probably they didn't they didn't believe me or they didn't think it was a big deal and that and you know therefore I probably was making a bit of a fuss and I it's very hard and I think only you know I'm nearly four years into this now and it's probably only been the last year that I've started being much more conscious of if someone is making me feel bad about myself whether it's not normally done consciously it's just sort of a lack of awareness or understanding um I I actually don't really spend that much energy on that person anymore and I've sort of worked more on cultivating um the friendship really good friendships that I do have because some people just just effortly get it and it's it's not necessarily the people who I see all the time like some of my some of my best friends um from university are you know don't live in the UK at all now and they might see me once or twice a year but they still get it a hundred percent yes and um when you focus on those people it you know it does make you feel very very lucky and um you know those are kind of the relationships that are worth putting your energy in um you know no disrespect at all because most of the time it's just that someone just can't quite grasp it it's not that they're malicious or they don't care no of course yeah Yeah. but but at the same time it can still make you feel very bad I think of course yeah and it drains you as well and I think oh yeah (laughs) when you're already so drained you're thinking why am I putting so much effort into this like one-way relationship like when you say you've got other people that are supportive and it's a two-way relationship you need to be focusing on that those kind of people because again it's that positive energy with it being one way it's negative and it's draining to your soul and your overall well-being and I think we just we reach a point where we just think we have to regroup ourselves and just rethink our ideals and what we want from life and what we expect and what we deserve yeah because with any chronic illness we lose that sense of worth yeah quite a while yeah and regaining it is very very tough and I think it's a daily challenge that I definitely haven't mastered yet but you know like I say it's it's something 
a bit like happiness it's a journey it's not a destination and you have to work on it day in day out yeah definitely I think it's you know it's a real process um and I think there's not it's like you say there's not necessarily an end goal and I think a big a big sort of um shift for me mentally was realizing that you know there wasn't necessarily going to be this point in the future where I'm suddenly 100% healed um but you know if I could get to 70% 75% 80% would I want to still be living a life and I would yeah. it's not you know it's not about waiting for it to be perfect and um, but that is it's hard it's a real process and then balancing that with you know feeling often like you're at 10 percent is very difficult as well because it's frustrating yeah. but I think you're so right it's like building that self-worth um you have to kind of distangle it from being sick or being well because it's not helpful and it, it actually holds you back I think from moving forward and getting you know a better quality of life almost of course and I think that's when sort of practicing gratitude really plays into it because I know maybe maybe through teenage years and through school and social media and things we're just sort of surrounded by perfection and you need to be like this and plan a is the only way and you're on this path and if you go off the path you're a failure and you know and I think illness is kind of a big big wake-up call because you think actually perfection is a myth it doesn't exist and we become far more grateful for the little things you know like like you say like a a beautiful day outside yeah (laughs) your friend on the phone these kinds of things rather than the material objects wealth and careers and things like that we just we have to like 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 i said before rethink our whole ideals and just think about the smaller things and really really treasure them yes definitely like a hundred percent sometimes i think i'm I'm like a broken record when I'm talking to people and saying, you know, it was such, it's what do you do today? And I said, it was such a beautiful day and I was feeling okay. So I just went for a walk in the park and I, you know, I do that all the time. But to me, that yeah. genuinely is blissful. Um, yes. And I am so grateful for those days because you can't rely on them. And there's many, many days when I'm not up to doing that or, you know, the weather's yeah. terrible. And, um, yes, that's and it. it's almost, you know, sometimes I think, my gosh, I sound like a, a bit sad or like a greeting card, but that is genuinely how I feel. And I was yeah. not that kind of person before getting sick at all. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, but I think we all are the same. I think we're all quite high achievers when you look at some of the other Lyme sufferers everyone's quite well career driven they were on a track yeah one track mind and then when they got ill they had to reevaluate the whole life and in in a way it brought them back down to earth from like the heads in the clouds and I'm guilty of having my head in the clouds and thinking <laughs> that there was only plan a and when my sort of life got derailed I was just completely at, at a loss I didn't know where yeah. to turn I didn't know who to turn to because I just hadn't thought about my other options or if there were other options and I think like you say we probably do sound silly when we're like oh my gosh my highlight of my day was my cup of coffee but <laughs> really we we do we do we do like think about the little things and they are very special to us but when we think about them they just they put a smile on our face and then we remember how to smile again and what happiness feels like and you know we just the then the even bigger things like you know going for a walk is a massive success to us and feeling that success brings back our purpose our self-worth our confidence and it's all a process yeah definitely 100 (laughs) percent. yeah so how are you managing your well-being and just daily well balancing life really um so I think it's a process definitely as everything is um 
I think it's hard with the because the disease is so unpredictable and Mm -hmm. particularly the last year for me has been so unpredictable Mm -hmm. um I think the first thing that I do is try not to um set too many expectations um like which is tough yeah oh it's so tough and I'm such a planner and I like to be you know organized and um but I think you know it's very tempting when you when you have this kind of illness and you want to have some control over it and you want to get better and you know you know all these things that you can try and you can be doing every day to you know be getting better and but the fact is that you can't do everything you can't do every diet and yeah because you'd be left with nothing to eat and you can't do a 30-step self-care program because that's would take all day and um these are definitely things that I am still learning but so I try to kind of have a non-negotiable routine of things that are I must you know I must must include because they do really really help so for me um that's things like um I do take all my all my supplements and medications which might sound obvious but you know sometimes I definitely earlier on um, in my illness, you know, if you are really unwell or you are, you know, having a lot of neurological problems where you can't remember to do things or you just can't get organized. So I will try and be organized with that set aside a day when I do, you know, um, box up all my medications so that I don't have to think about that. And then that's, you know, even if I've done nothing that day, I know that I've done something to move forward. Yeah. I every day I try to do some kind of detox um but sort of small at-home detox yeah Um, I'm very very sensitive to detox as I know a lot of Lyme patients are um and so I'll do things like have I have a bath probably six months six nights out of seven I'll have an Epsom salt bath with essential oils um And that's doable for me, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort or a lot of energy, but it's, um, that's very much sort of balance for me. Um, And it it takes a lot of the boxes in one, you know, it's relaxing, it's detoxing, it's good for my joints, um, you know, all of these things. So those are the things I kind of try to look for to um I guess be progressing my health every day but still maintain maintaining balance yeah um and then I suppose in terms of balancing well-being with life if I'm in a stage where I am well enough to be doing things um I will sort of prioritize if I have a good day I'll prioritize actually doing something that I want to do or something that I wouldn't be able to do on a bad day over maybe things that I should be doing or have to be doing so um, I will go and have you know a walk or meet a friend for coffee or even go to a coffee shop on my own and do some writing or something and I I will do that over I don't know if I I have on my list that I need to you know call this doctor or arrange this appointment I'll let those things wait for a day or so. I think that's Um, very important as well because we can't have a life that's just associated with health all the time. We have to no. make sure that we feed our souls and our hearts just to keep yeah. our own sanity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. the very minimum that you can do of that. Yeah. Um, I always try and take that opportunity. Definitely. And I think that's great advice because I think sometimes when we go into this, doctors are like, right, you need to be doing this, this and this and this. And we just get overwhelmed and it's quite yeah. scary because you think oh my gosh you know all my life is so restrictive all it is is health 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 yeah just we forget the things that we enjoy and you know doing mindful activities and just giving some time to ourselves is very important as well because like you say like you know you do your blog and you do your writing and everything and and I do my work and we Mm. sometimes fall into that trap of using our work as a way to escape the pain and the symptoms as well and realizing that is very difficult because sometimes we realize it well for me anyway I realize it but I can't talk myself out of it because I'm like if I sit down 
I'll feel worse and my symptoms will heighten. And so then I end up overworking and overwhelming myself at times. And I don't know if it's the same for you, if you're able to step back and think, no, I need to stop, or whether you use sort of your work as a way to escape. Yeah, I guess um, I guess I don't do that much work because for me it is like very much a hobby at the moment. And yeah. um, I, for the last year, my work has been um, recovering from my stem cell treatment because there's a yes. lot there's a lot I have to be doing every week for that, and you know, whole months when I was just out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I definitely can relate to. I find it hard to. Um, except having to rest yeah um, because it doesn't make you feel better at the time like your body might need it but it doesn't make you feel better yeah. um, and I definitely see it as a failure to yes definitely. be resting um, I had some quite good advice like just before Christmas um, I was working with a health coach last year who actually went through the same treatment as me um, she'd done it a couple of years before and she's now a health coach and I um I was having sessions with her and towards the end of last year I had um a couple of months where I was extremely sick again November December um, just back in bed and just in complete agony and um you know just feeling like really low and part I know you'll relate to this part of part of it is feeling so low because you're so sick and then on top Mm -hmm. of that you also have the fact that you can't do anything that you wanted to do and you feel like you know all these things that you should be doing you're getting behind on and you know all of that which just adds on and I was talking to um my health coach about it and she said you know I've been there I've been through this the next few months um you're going through this process and you probably are going to be down for the count and you know something I'd really recommend is that you give yourself I think this was in December and she said you know give yourself the next month and just say for that month all I'm going to do is all I'm going to have to do for myself is pick a series and watch that and give yourself permission to do that because you need to be resting at this stage um I was going through a phase of the stem cell recovery which is when a lot of the neurological healing happens so you get a lot of retracing of symptoms and inflammation and everything yeah and she said so just give yourself this month give yourself permission to do that just what all you have to do all day every day is you know be in bed and watch that show and then know that you have that date at the end of the month that you're going to reassess and you on that date you're going to get up and say you know what can I do from here and that helped so much um because it definitely was that kind of just um giving yourself permission to rest of course and knowing that actually that was the plan and once you kind of start to come to terms with that idea you realize that actually there's nothing else that you have to be doing and um it's something that I am sort of keep trying to come back to if I have a bad day or a bad week or even a bad month is sort of coming back to that idea almost of okay what I need to be doing now is resting and it's not um plan b to something else this is plan a but it's not going to be forever it is temporary and um there will be a point when I will be able to get up again and move forward and that has helped me um just sort of mentally yeah accept accept more yeah yes which I think is like a, a big, big, big thing. Yes, but... it's the biggest thing, I think, almost sometimes. Yeah. So what were your symptoms sort of before your treatment? And what are your symptoms now, your worst ones, would you say? So, um, was, oh gosh, it's so mixed. I mean, I'm sure you're the same. I had over 100 symptoms. Yeah. Um, I'd, so I'd done, before I did stem cell treatment, one of the treatments that I'd done that was very successful was I had done IV therapy for about nine months um, with a clinic in London. And I'd seen a lot of improvements through that. Um, I'd gone from eating five foods and having cyclical vomiting syndrome, whereas for two years I was vomiting between five to eight times every single day. Um, With the IV therapy, I'd really... um, 
really really improved on that and some antibiotic treatment as well you know a mix of things yeah. so I was at a much better place with what had been initially some of my worst symptoms yeah. um allergies etc but mm-hmm. um my neurological symptoms were extremely bad so I could not read or write at all I had no way of distinguishing no, between letters or numbers <gasps> um which is just frightening absolutely insane um and I don't know how you you describe that to someone but that was that was probably the scariest thing I think um I had bad fatigue um as everyone does uh bad joint pain um mast cell activation syndrome yeah um which that was a lot I did I had probably at least an anaphylactic reaction at least every two weeks um and that i think that you know it just creates so much fear and um so much you're just constantly in a state of trauma because i was always recovering from a reaction and waiting for another one and um that really scared me and then gosh a lot of heart a lot of heart symptoms tachycardia um a lot of pot symptoms um I don't know if you have pots as well um well I haven't been diagnosed but I know that a lot of the symptoms overlap so yeah dysautonomia yeah um and then I guess I was getting a lot of kidney infections um yes and that was what was really kept putting me like at the emergency room yeah um, again and again and it just it was just this cycle and I I do think that's quite a common thing where people get stuck in with kidney infections yeah I'm, um, I'm the worst with kidney infections yeah and that you know they're so yeah. dangerous and yeah. your body just is so weak so I guess that was kind of that's a very brief of some of my symptoms. Oh, no, nausea! Yeah. Nausea was horrendous. That yeah. that has always been one of my worst symptoms, and that's something you can't describe to someone that you just no. constantly are in such nausea. Yeah. Um, so now, sorry, that took a little while <laughs> to describe. No, 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 um, it's fine. It's more the better. <laughs> so after the stem cell treatment, um, the biggest improvement I've had for sure. Um, has been neurological symptoms right so that happened that improved very quickly pretty much everything else got worse to start with and that was one of the only things that improved um and I yeah from about three months out I was able to read and write again slowly and that's when I started doing um my Instagram and just kind of you know you're able to interact a lot more in society and yeah um that's always been a big thing for me that you know I always wanted to go into academia and so that felt like a big part of myself getting that back and I would say that's continued to improve and I feel that maybe I'm at 80% functioning now and I'm still doing a lot of neuro rehabilitation but that I mean that's unbelievable to me yeah um because how do you ever know if you're going to how do you learn to read again how you know yes um so that's improved so much um my energy is much better now but that did take about eight months and the first three months were the worst fatigue I've ever had in my life really yeah I've just oh my gosh another level I thought I knew what fatigue was but that gave me a new a new level of empathy for people yeah. who really suffer with it. Um, my nausea is better. Uh, food reactions are better. Um, you know, a lot of things are better. I would yes. say the one thing that is still bad and potentially worse at the moment is um, my mast cell symptoms. Um, so I'm having a lot of yeah. reactions still, probably one every two weeks, and it might last a week. Um, oh, and they're no. just completely debilitating. Um, but so I would say at the moment, you know, my base level is pretty good, but I'm getting a lot of reactions that debilitate me. So, yes. um, but, you know, I'm, I'm 10 months out now. I'm still doing a lot of treatments, a lot of follow-up treatment. I'm doing a lot of focus now on uh, brain injury rehabilitation because I think that is a big part of of. my illness and a big part of why some symptoms I can't shift and um, 
getting back to functioning so I'm kind of hopeful with that and I'll reassess in a couple of months and see where I want to go from there so pretty positive but it hasn't been an easy journey journey and it's not a quick fix and it's not no No, that's (laughs) Um, it I wish I could say it is but but it's not and it's hard work it is hard work and like you say with your mast cell syndrome with (laughs) all the reactions to food that you're having that in itself is draining and can emotionally take its toll because all you want to do is eat food and enjoy it and when you're having reactions to it and the reactions aren't pretty it you just think what you know you can start questioning what else can I do what else you know why can't I just eat normally and why can't I be like everybody else why can't I be normal yeah oh absolutely and I think you know, I, I'm always, I'm quite um, level-headed with food reactions because I came from a place of eating, being able to eat five foods. It's, yeah. you know, I'm kind of grateful now, but I think the worst part is the not knowing. Um, and that's always yeah. been the case for me that, you know, it's not, and I think, again, this is what people don't really maybe understand. So I I'm have celiac disease, which I've had since way before I got sick with Lyme um and you know if I have gluten I I get sick and that yeah. that to me is a food allergy whereas all of the food allergies that came with um Lyme and Marcel it's so much more complex and it you know it can be that I eat something and four days later I come out in hives or yeah, yeah um, it's not immediate eat, you know something one day but if I eat it two days in a row yeah yes. I get that I, I get mean that, that so it drives you crazy right yeah um, and I think that not knowing quite often I'll say you know to my husband oh, I, j- I just wish I knew what to do because then I would yes. do this um because you want to know that you're doing the right things for yourself and it's hard you know exactly. talking about balance again it's hard to balance being doing everything you can but not being so obsessive that yes um, it controls you because I to my mind in my experience there's always part of it that you can't control and part of it that is random yes Um, and with my Marcel reactions that's you know definitely the case that I could be feeling grace and it comes out of nowhere and I might not even have eaten anything that day or other you know other times it can be predictable and that's quite hard to live with I think um definitely and I'm I'm not a great example for this but some days I'm just like oh you know I really just want to eat what everybody else is eating so I might just have like a little bit of something I shouldn't yeah and at the time I'm like yeah I'm living life like I'm having a great time and then a few hours later my stomach's upset I've got rashes I feel sick like I'm going to be sick I've got migraines and you just sit there and you think I want to die like literally like everything just hits you like a ton of bricks yeah and you're like why did I do it but at the time it 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 sounded a great idea and you were like loving life and you felt like you were part of you know being with your friends and your family enjoying yourself and again that's it's very difficult because you want to feed your heart and your soul and live life but at the same time you you know you're going to be ill and be unwell and it's balancing whether it's even worth it yeah oh definitely I think um I mean I can relate to that so much I think because I had so many because I was at the stage where everything was an anaphylactic reaction in a way it was a blessing because it it put me in a state where I know not to cheat on things I suppose um but I think you know I definitely have those those feelings where you know you look around and you think why can't I just be normal and even things that people wouldn't expect I think you know healthy people they understand that you know if you're sick you might not be able to eat dairy you might not be able to have an ice cream or something but for me like I don't go out or when I you know have bad reactions or when I had loads and loads of food allergies I wouldn't be sitting there thinking like oh I wish I could eat that ice cream or that pizza I would be thinking I wish I could eat that juice and tolerate fruits yeah or um you know I wish I could eat a vegetable and you it's just that being very abnormal um and comparing yourself to people it's it's very very difficult because it can be so 
um it's demoralizing and I think it just really it sort of really heightens that feeling of being abnormal and like therefore there's something wrong with you and I think that's a lot of what it is about that you want to you know go out and be able to order off a menu or you know have a have a drink with someone um I don't even mean an alcoholic drink I literally mean a smoothie or something you know just tiny things um like I I had a year where I couldn't drink tea because I had such bad histamine um allergy and that was probably the most devastating thing of my entire illness because it you know it's awful not to be able to have a cup of tea with my mum or with my husband or go and meet someone you know at a cafe all I could have was water and um it's not about that I wanted to go out and have you know wine or anything that people kind of associate you know a lot of people will say to me oh it's awful that you can't drink but those aren't the things that you miss it's the very very basic things that most people would never even consider because how would you ever imagine you couldn't drink tea or have sparkling water? Exactly, or, yes. Um, yeah, and it goes back to sort of being, gra- you know, grateful and gratitude, isn't it? Like, yeah. you, know, you know, the smaller things that really heightened and bring us the most joy. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I think comparison it, is one of the most difficult things, and I really try to steer away from it. Um, yes but it's very hard even within the chronic illness community because you know what can be healthy for one person is not necessarily healthy for you and no when you you know sometimes I know you know now I share quite a lot of recipes because I like um I do like cooking and baking and stuff but I know there was a point for me when I would look at like people sharing healthy recipes and think my gosh that's like so healthy and I can't eat any of it what's wrong with me I must be unbelievably sick and unbelievably abnormal and it it's definitely hard you have to kind of gain perspective on where you are and what things mean for you and try not to compare it with everyone else um but easier said than done for sure and I think it's hard as well because when you are out or order something you say please can you cook it this way and don't put this on it and they kind of like look down at you and think oh you're just skinny you're being fussy you know what you're doing and it's it's not that I'd love to eat and order straight off the menu and just order a dish that was there and not ask for anything else but you know just to get out and be there and be present was a big you know achievement so to say it's a big success and then you you're faced with the embarrassment of having to explain and break down the menu it's sometimes soul destroying because then you get your food and you've got like the smallest plate and everybody else has got their full-size pizzas and everything loving <laughs> life and the waiters made you feel so small and such a, like an inconvenience that you're just like, why am I even here? Yeah. And you get so embarrassed. Yeah, it's definitely, it's such a, yeah, it's such a process, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and all these little things make life so like much harder and so hard to balance. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's the feeling of being isolated and excluded. Yeah you know abnormal I think is the biggest one yeah and I think it's hard to say it but you have to go through the hurt and you have to you know face the pain to actually get over your sort of fears when it comes to going out being embarrassed you know being different we have to become more at peace with ourselves and our illness and more accepting of it but to get to there you have to go through all the rubbish that goes before it yeah definitely I think um yeah I even now like sometimes even now I don't have that many really bad food allergies but um you know if we uh, we went for dinner at a neighbor's house the other day and I you know I can I hear myself saying like I'm so sorry it's so strange and my husband says to me you know don't apologize there's no need like people don't even notice it's fine you know yeah Um, but it's it's hard like to get out of that mindset that definitely is I'm do definitely say like I'm sorry it's I know it's weird but (laughs) yeah it probably just shouldn't 
shouldn't really say that because I guess it's not something to apologize for no, but I, think... I know if it was the other way around I wouldn't no you know, yeah, but I think you just want, want to you know we want to be polite you want to show manners because we are grateful for the hard work they have to put in yeah you know, to accommodate us so of course we, we, just, we just want to you know say thank you and be nice to them so then they might allow us back and be okay with us next time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's my biggest hope anyway. Definitely. But yeah, I just wanted to sort of touch finally on sort of your blog and where you want to grow with it and also your awareness work because I know you've started doing quite a lot of awareness work since feeling a bit better within yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess like I... I didn't do anything for the first almost three years that I was sick. I didn't. That's understandable. That's understandable. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do, I get a lot of messages from people now saying, oh, I haven't even told people in my, you know, my real life that I'm, I have Lyme or, and that, that was definitely for me, it took me a long time to, um, you know, come to terms with it and be comfortable sharing anything. Yes. Um, and so it's definitely a process and I think the kind of trigger for me was when I was researching a uh, stem cell treatment um, yeah. with my with my husband really that because you know it's a very new treatment and it technically you're sort of part of a trial and um, there's just not that inf- much information out there and most of, of the course. information comes from other people who have been through it and those were the resources that really helped us make those decisions and they've continued to be you know the resources for me as I've gone through this recovery of you know very difficult times and knowing that other people had also you know been through this and the different stages and that was kind of the trigger to me that I wanted to document it for myself um, but also yeah, just as like a resource in case, you know, anyone else was considering that kind of treatment. And I think particularly there's not that many people in the UK who have um, done that treatment um, because it's not available here. So that was sort of what triggered me, I suppose. And um, it was it was kind of good timing that a few months after uh, getting the stem cell treatment, I was feeling um, more confident with my neurological skills and I was really slow to begin with writing an Instagram caption or you know really really slow and it was really hard but it definitely it helped and it gave me some kind of purpose and of course um it's been definitely good to have something to focus on and I just I wasn't expecting anyone to read anything really so it's amazing when people do read this or you know send you comments or questions yeah it's it's really good actually it's motivating yeah Yeah. and um and I don't know why I'm so surprised about that because I've always liked reading other people's stuff but I I just thought maybe that was just me um oh no definitely not but yeah so I kind of I guess it is like you know it's a total hobby for me and I think um, I plan to continue it but I I sort of try not to put any pressure on myself and I just write about what I want to do what I want to when I want to um because I'm also very conscious that you know I'm trying to recover from an illness and I don't want my whole focus and identity to be on illness (laughs) Um, so I do it sort of as and when I can and sometimes I will try you know that's why I sort of do the recipes and I sometimes um do things on you know I love journaling and I it's all tied into illness but it's sometimes good to be talking about and writing about something that's not symptoms and yeah hospitals and needles and you know all of these things. yes just normal, <laughs> normal things <laughs> yeah and I know you're really really good at doing that as well you know oh, you're, thank you. when you're when you're traveling or you're you know you're yeah event or um so I hope to just kind of carry on with that really as long as um people are interested in it and as, as I find it um therapeutic and I've got you know there's a lot of things I want to write about I've, I've been very slow in even documenting my treatment um I'm still yeah. I've only just finished the initial treatment I did and I'm you know I'm writing up all I've been keeping you know monthly journals and yeah and I want to go into more 
some of the things that I've done to support my body and things that can be done that aren't so expensive because I know um it can be very daunting for people um you know that everything seems to cost so much money which is true but there are things you can be doing for yourself that don't have to cost everything and it's not always in my experience I've been fortunate to be able to do a lot of things but it's not always been the more expensive things that have been the more effective and it's sometimes it's you know things that don't cost very much or don't seem like they would be significant that have been a real piece of the puzzle to me yeah um, I don't know like for example b12 shots have been were a total game changer for me um okay and relatively not that expensive and quite yeah. accessible um so I guess I'm going to try and keep going with that and um yeah I think you know same as you you do the awareness is so important yeah particularly in the UK like there's just not there there just isn't that much um which I assume is because a lot of people are undiagnosed and don't know that they actually have Lyme disease Um, yeah that's it that that is a big big issue really yeah so I think um just doing you know what I can with that I'd like to keep fundraising I was doing some work last year and um, my husband and uh, my sister's boyfriend ran the Venice Marathon for um, Caldwell Line yes I saw that I yeah that and I, I really love them as a charity um, I think they're really brilliant the work they're doing is so important so um, I would like to continue kind of working with them and I think they're they're sort of starting up doing more awareness work and more um talks and sort of local awareness which um I'm hoping to get involved with as well um right. you know when I'm feeling up to it um so I guess just kind of moving forwards with those kind of things and keeping the conversation going and of course yeah um, like you say we we feel like we can rest happy if we've protected even just one life by getting someone to go to the doctors or wear repellent or anything like that simple things Oh yeah, absolutely. And be more at peace. Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of, you know, you think that because it is, it seems quite rare, and it seems like it seems like such a bizarre thing to have happened to us almost. Yeah, but it it does happen. I had a friend in um, it was it was last year, maybe at the end of last year. She is um in America, and she like I I. Uh, met her in Uganda like five years ago and um, she's actually a medical student and she had messaged me saying um, you know I I think I've got I was I was bitten by a tick Um, she lives Mm -hmm. in like upstate New York which is obviously a really yes uh, high prevalent area so she is quite switched on to Lyme anyway Um, but she said you know I was bitten I went to the doctor he said it's definitely not Lyme Um, he refused to test it test me for it and now like four weeks later I've now got this rash on my leg oh no and um yeah and I and she's so switched on she said you know I'm really switched on to this because I live in a high prevalent area I'm a medical student and I know you and I know you know what's what's happened your your story um and she went back and um she basically asked to be asked to be tested and really pushed and they actually gave her the antibiotics before the test had even come back and wow is you know she's completely clear no symptoms now all good and you know that was the kind of thing that is easy to say like you know if you could help one person but that I never thought that that would actually happen <laughs> that I would actually oh, know no. yeah. or, um and that was uh you know that was a real kind of wake up call yeah sense. yeah of and course it did make me feel good because you know yeah. the one person then that's worth it right <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and I'm sure you feel the same you know I'm I am a very, quite a private person and yeah um, but it once you start sharing you realize that there's there's nothing to be scared of and no and I, I don't think people sometimes appreciate how hard it is to share our stories yes um i think a lot of the time we can be seen as troublemakers or just kicking up a fuss when actually it's taken a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to actually be so open 
and, and like real and raw so that people can find comfort in our stories and you know the more people come out the woodworks and start speaking up you know the more people are going to be educated in society the less dismissal and ignorance there is going to be out there and then we can drive change and it's the only way and sometimes you have to put aside your own fears for everybody else and I think that's a big healer for me like helping others and seeing others improve because then I think sort of my pain and suffering's worth it and I have a purpose and I need to keep fighting oh yes like I I mean I think the work you've done is absolutely amazing and I know thank you you obviously have big plans of how you continue to go with that but it it really is and I think um you know it's having people who you can relate to and that for me when I was first diagnosed um because you know when you are young you don't know I didn't know anyone in my real life who'd been sick for more than you know you know I knew people who'd been maybe sick for a month or had glandular fever and recovered a couple months later or I just had no concept of um what it would be like to live with chronic disease and I think you know what we were talking about earlier about people's understanding sometimes I think you know I couldn't have understood this I think a lot of people yes who, who know me they pro- they sort of think that you know they know I'm unwell all the time and they probably think that it's like having you know the flu and you've of kind course. of got that the time but it's like yeah no even on a good day I feel more sick than I ever did in my life before Lyme ever um and I think you know that can be so isolating and so I know for me when I was diagnosed just seeing people out there people like you and you know there's quite a few really well you know well educated well spoken um people who are really you know doing those doing their best to really get the word out there um about Lyme people of you know young people particularly and that really really helped me um and I think if you you know the unfortunate thing about living with this disease is that you do have to become very educated on it and very knowledgeable about it very quickly and anyone who's sharing any of that information it's it's brilliant um and it's so so helpful and I know that it it continues to help me so much yeah Um, and I think as well, it helps when, like, you know, we build friendships, we've built a friendship over like Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And it's those kind of friendships sometimes that you just need when you're feeling a low day and you just want to check in with someone that you just know is going to understand. You don't have to go through explaining a load of like things or symptoms or whatever you can just say I'm having a really bad day today and they'll understand and I think that's a big thing because explaining the whole life story (laughs) to try and get someone to understand when you're already feeling so drained and unwell is is very frustrating and that can lead you to isolate yourself because you just don't want to sort of even begin going down that road so building friendship friendships like we have over social media where we can just check in with each other when we need and when we want to or you know when we just fancy a catch-up it's just so beneficial like you say because you know we encourage other people to do the same that maybe are around at the same age who friends love going clubbing love to be out all the time mm. and they don't fully sort of understand our mindset the same so it's it's great and you know I'm so so lucky to have come across you and like I said like we always have lovely conversations over Instagram and you know we don't speak every day but it's just nice to check in every so often and this interview's been amazing and I thank you so much for your time as well because I know how draining it is and you've given a lot of information and a lot of great hints and tips that I kind of need to use as well you know <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that. Thank yes, you so, definitely. You're so kind. Honestly, it's just been lovely talking with you. And I'm really excited about, you know, all the work you're doing. And no, I'm excited so much. to yeah. continue listening because I'm, I'm sure you've got good plans going forward. And I love podcasts. So. Oh, good. And you mean, 
you're more than welcome to come back on at any time. I've loved having you as a guest. And like I said, I feel like I've learned so much from you. And I definitely need to take a leaf out of your book in remembering some me time and taking a step back and not feeling guilty. And I think a lot of the listeners need to also take that into account. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Sophie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye. Bye.